Welcome to the SPU Voices podcast, where we tell personal stories with universal impact. I'm your host, Amanda Stubbert, and today we sat down with Alexia Estrada. She's class of 2020 and the granddaughter of farm workers, also the director of operations at Semillero de Adias, a nonprofit centering around farm workers as the leaders of innovation. She spent her summer running an innovation challenge, speaking with farm workers about their ideas of how to make the cherry harvest safer and more efficient for themselves and the growers. In August, they presented the winner with a chance to patent his product and reap the rewards of his own invention. Alexia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. I'm super excited to chat with you today. Well, first of all, tell us about this innovation challenge. Yeah, so this innovation challenge started in the summer, like you mentioned, and it was really exciting because we got to do outreach to a lot of different communities here in eastern Washington. I spent hours and hours out in front of supermarkets, at flea markets, uh, stopping at the ATMs uh, when people are getting paid because there's like a long line of H2A workers and just inviting people to share their expertise that they have um, on ag. And so this innovation challenge started really with centering farm workers as the experts. And from there, we received over three dozen ideas um, from process design to tools to just basic, simple changes that could be made to really improve the quality of life uh, for farm workers. Through this challenge, our winner was a man named Luis Alejandro Barrera. He is from uh, Nayarit, Mexico, and he came as an H-2A worker and was living in Madewell, Washington. And I don't know, do you want me to get into like everything that he did or is that another question? <laughs> I would I would love to hear about everything he did, but let's back up one little bit yeah. about this, this whole concept of going to the workers to find the innovation. Um, asking the people who actually have been doing this work for generations what they think would make life better. Because surprisingly, this is actually kind of a new idea. Yeah, I know. I was really shocked with that too. When I was talking to our executive director, so my boss, he hates it when I call him my boss, but (laughs) when I was talking to him, I was like, this seems really basic, Eric. I don't know. Like, this isn't really brand new. Like you go to the people who are working, he's like, I know, but you'd be very surprised. Like people are not asking farm workers. And through my experience, I learned, you know, farm workers are really not used to being asked because when we were doing the innovation challenge, there was a lot of skepticism too in our community. But all that to say, um, Eric uh, is our executive director and him and another farm worker named Josefina helped found this nonprofit because they noticed that a lot of work that's being done right now with the farm worker community is very reactive and not proactive. And it also started with just the observation of big tech coming into spaces and providing solutions that they thought would help benefit farm workers. And well, not even benefit farm workers. They just talk about openly replacing farm workers. Mm-hmm. And what does it look like now that uh, big tech and ag tech is really trying to create robots that replace farm workers? And then what will that mean to our rural communities? And so it really came from, from a place of these are not necessarily the answers that need to be answered. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, we thought, what if we actually went to farm workers and asked them what they needed instead of asking to replace them? Right. Instead of going to let's build robots that 100 yes. years in the future will do all of this work, what can we do tomorrow to make the 
the picking, the growing, that the whole process more efficient and actually better for the farm workers and the growers. Exactly. Exactly. And and I think when Eric invited me, Eric and Josefina invited me a part to be a part of this project, uh, I went back to my experience when I worked in the fields one summer. And I know I think we'll talk about that in a bit too, but I left that summer realizing that my coworkers that I was thinning apples with were the smartest people that I knew. And so it was a no-brainer to really go back and ask them for advice like I did when I was working that summer in the fields. Mm-hmm. But like you said, there was a lot of skepticism because people who live in the U.S. and English is their second or fourth or tenth language, they're often seen as not as intelligent. And as farm workers, I'm sure they are not being asked for their opinion very often. No, and there's a lot of fear, too, with even sharing an idea, because your job as a farm worker is to show up and pick. It's not to give your opinion. It's not to try to improve things. It's not to be innovative. It's to just really be uh, the hands that pick the fruit. And we've had farm workers that said, well, no one, no one's asked me my idea and nobody wants to hear my idea. And so it's a big shift when I, when we show up and we're like, actually, we know that you're the smartest person who knows like what problems you're dealing with. Of course, we want to hear your idea. And the way that even the body just changes and how it's postured is, is wild. Um, even when you do have growers who want to show up and say, I know there's smart people in my, in my orchards. And I know there's smart people working for me. They can show up and ask farm workers, but no farm worker is going to tell the main boss like, hey, this is actually wrong and this is actually wrong. So like show up and they're like, oh, everything's great. Like we're doing fine because there's not that bridge of trust there. And so something as an organization that we're really trying to work on is how do we build that trust and build that bridge so growers can get honest feedback mm-hmm. and farm workers can learn that there are some growers who really do care about about them and making their work easier and better. For sure. So I think that is a good segue to the winner of of this year's Innovation Award. Can you tell us about his design? Yeah. So uh, this season, we focus on the cherry harvest because it was just the time that we put the Innovation Challenge out. And he actually had created a harness. And this harness, well, let's let me back up a little bit. The original harness that folks are given is like a seatbelt strap. So when next time you get into your car, uh, feel what that, if you have one, uh, feel what that seatbelt strap feels like. And that is what farm workers have around their shoulders, uh, for multiple so, hours a day to hold the bucket that they to hold fill the with bucket cherries. that they fill. Yeah. And what Luis shared with us is yes, in the morning, you're picking, picking, trying to make your profit. But by the end of the day, you're not even picking anymore. You're just managing pain because that seat, that seatbelt strap is what I'll call it. But the straps to the harness that are given, they dig into the people's skin. And so what you get is a lot of just, there's bleeding at times. Um, people will layer up. So in really, really hot weather, you're layering up with two sweaters just to like keep that strap from digging in. Uh as the bucket just, gets heavier with as the, the bucket cherries. gets heavier exactly so almost you don't want it to get heavier because it hurts exactly, so bad exactly exactly and so Luis actually created a harness that has padding in it that he made from a used backpack and a couple other materials and clip-ons and he had been working on this harness for 3 years wow so he has been using this harness for 3 years in the fields and nobody noticed 
And I think that was something that really struck me and was really impactful to me is how can somebody have something that's working for them? And he shared that it improved his efficiency by up to 25%. And so for him to be able to work faster and no one, no one recognized that no one saw it. And that's where that disconnect is that we talk about. But when we met Luis, we were at uh, the flea market in Madawa and he was uh, with his group of H2A workers. Like they, they kind of tend to travel in groups because they're, they're taken with the van as a group to different places, a different audience. But he first stopped by and we shared our innovation challenge and we're taking ideas and all this stuff. And he asked a few questions and he walked away. And then moments later, he came back and he was like, oh, I do have an idea. And I love to share this part because I just think about how much courage that had to have taken to come back and say, I have something and I want to offer it and I want to share it and put it into the world and not knowing who we were, not necessarily knowing where this path was going to take him. And now we're working with Luis to get a patent on it and improve it. And we did some workshops with him afterwards to kind of go back and forth because he said any good idea needs feedback and needs different points of view. And so I sat with him and was like, he was telling me all the ways that it improves his quality of life as while he works. And I was like, do you think it also impacts like mental health in some ways? And he said, "Um, can you explain more? And I was like, well, as a woman who wears heels, (laughs) I was like, by the end of the day, I'm a really cranky person. Like, when we go out, it's like, it's not fun because I'm really uncomfortable. Do you think that's the same way with the harness? Like by the end of the day, you're just super negative. Like, do you think you'd pick more and be more positive and just be able to be more efficient because you just feel better? And he was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like totally, that totally makes sense. He's like, you're absolutely right. And so it's been really cool to have different voices and different people sit at the table with him as he uh, works to manufacture and patent and all that stuff. So that's where we're at right now with Louise. You just think of the ripple effect. Um, I Years ago, we had on our show um, one of the, the co-founder of Landessa that works on land rights for indigenous peoples worldwide. And one of the things they didn't really anticipate necessarily is that when the male and female together in the family share the ownership of the land, things like teen pregnancy and spousal abuse and all sorts of things go down. And I could imagine in this same scenario, if you are with your entire family picking cherries and everyone is in physical pain by the end of the day, that has to impact how you treat each other, how you are as a family. And if a simple vest is going to change how you feel, how your entire family fares by the end of the day, that has to change your family dynamic. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. And, and yeah, we're excited to see some of these small, like it feels like a small change, right? It's not a a robotic arm or, or some drone that's picking these apples, but it is a really impactful, meaningful change, not only in the lives of farm workers, but also for the grower who will be able to get more, um, at the end of the day, and just also kind of that conscience, I hope that that people are not struggling as much as they need to be. Right, right. And it is that win, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Like the grower, it's not that we have to take the productivity down mm-hmm. to to make the workers have a better life. It's like, no, everybody wins. Productivity yes. goes up. 
as the farm workers have a better life, all just by simply listening to the people who actually know what they're talking about. Like you said, <laughs> it's it's crazy that this feels like a new yeah. A new idea. Okay. So you are a, a fairly recent college grad. Yes. Um, let's go back to what led you to this very specific yet incredibly fascinating work. Yeah, I know. This is what's so fun and, and funny to share to me. But anyone who has grown up in a rural community or in an ag community, daughter of farm workers, or just has that in their family, knows that they're not encouraged to go into ag. (laughs) Like it's not a thing to go back and start working in the fields. And when I went to SPU, I was an Ames scholar and that Ames, shout out to the Ames family. Thank you guys so much for that opportunity. I was given a mentor and through that mentor, I was connected to Dr. Newhauser. And that summer of my freshman year, there was a lot of political stuff going on. And I found myself really sharing about my community and where I come from and what I know to be true. And then as I reflected on that some more, I was taking uh, Race in Place by Dr. Leong. Everything just really accumulates. Like SP really just tends to find ways to like, or I guess you're just learning. Maybe it's just part of the college experience. (laughs) But I learned that, oh my gosh, my family has been doing this and I have no idea what it feels like. And I don't know what it's like to pick an apple. I don't know what it's like to work in the field. And so I talked to my Ames mentor and I was reflecting with her about it. And she said, well, what if you did an independent study? What if you got to go back into the fields and just talk about what you learned? So I met with Dr. Newhauser, decided that I was going to come back home, thin apples for the summer. And I didn't end up actually taking credits for it because it just felt like I had already learned so much. I didn't really need anything else. But showed up that summer, woke up at 4.30 in the morning started learning how to thin. It was the hardest work I've ever experienced. But, th- but and I'd be there and my coworkers would say, you literally don't have to be here. You are a college student, like go do something else. I was like, no, no, I, I want to be here. I want to learn. And by the end of that summer, like I said before, I realized I was surrounded by the smartest people ever. And I felt so proud. Like, oh my gosh, I could cry. <laughs> I felt so proud to be part of like where I come from. And so proud of my family and so proud of my grandparents and so proud of everyone who just provides that food to our table. Like I never look at an apple the same. Like every time I see, I'm like, shout out, like shout out to Doña Tere. She's out there, you know, just experts, you know. And so through that experience, we did the common day of learning and got to, I got to share with my peers and different decisions that showed up. Dr. Neuhauser created that space for me to talk about my experience and then senior year, through the GDS major, we have a social venture project and somehow found myself again <laughs> working with farmers because that's not really the direction I planned to go in. I uh, worked with farmers, went to Mexico. My grandpa's a farmer out in Mexico. And we looked at what it would look like to provide solar water pumps to farm workers in Mexico. And so did that. So then graduated, came back, started working as a community organizer in my hometown and got offered this opportunity. And because of the work and the foundation that I was able to build at SPU and those opportunities, it was a no-brainer to to hop onto this project and this nonprofit as the director of operations. I love this path of your parents and your grandparents work so hard so the next generation can have more choices, Mm -hmm. right? can have a better life, as we always say. 
And yet better doesn't necessarily mean different. I I love that you went away going, I'm never going back, (laughs) right? Because that's what you were taught. Yeah, yeah. Um, But then you're able to come back with these new ideas and and new ways of doing things that are actually going to help an entire generation of of farm workers. And I, I love the respect that you have, because I think sometimes a new generation can almost have contempt from where their parents and their grandparents came from. Mm -hmm. um, If it's not a place that society sees with a lot of respect. And that's just, that's just so heartbreaking. Like we should always, it's yes. And right. That's what we always learn in theater. It's yes. And it's not, it's not anti your past. It's yes. That was my past. And I'm going to make it better. And that's what I love so, so much about your story. It's been really exciting just to think about where I thought I was going to be and where I'm at now. And and I don't think I would have been able to do that had it not been for the professors who really centered community and starting where you're at. It was really cool to just have that perspective shift. Right. And and I think to me, that is the heart of liberal arts education. It's not that you can become whatever you want. It's who are you and how do you become the most uniquely mm-hmm best part of you that you could possibly, possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. What, what has this work taught you that you wish everyone in the general public knew? I think as I've been working with farm workers and working to build trust in my community, it's all about really how you show up and how you acknowledge people and how you say hi and how you shake hands and how you see someone walk by and you make eye contact and you say hello. I, I really think it's those small things that make our communities better and allow organizations like ours to be successful. And the little things also means listening and being observant and and paying attention to where people are at. So I think my biggest takeaway that I would want people to know is don't think that those little things don't count because they do. And they always will. I think people say that a lot, but it's true. I think that's where I really center myself. Like I might not be able to solve all the problems for this farm worker that I'm working with, but I can say, hey, like, it's really good to see you again. I'm so excited to get to work. I'm so excited to hear what you have to say today. And even like when we're talking to growers, right? You can go in and and say a lot of things, but what does it mean to show up and kind of listen and take a step back and say, okay, where are you at? And why are you where you're at? And what does that look like? And and where are you trying to go? And, and those little things do make a big difference. Yeah. Even just going into a grocery store, we aren't grateful for the apples and the mm-hmm. grapes mm-hmm. and the oranges into, until they're gone. Then, yeah. then we're like, wait, where is my fruit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But yeah. when it's there for us, because it's there for us every day, I think it's all too easy to remember that um, that this is available to us through the blood, sweat, and tears of real human beings. Yeah. And every time you go into a grocery store, you don't look at the apple the same. Someone touched that apple and went through a whole process. Someone cared for that apple from when it was just a, a little seed. Someone really watched over that so that you could have it. That's so true. I'm going to make sure that I have that in my in my mind yeah. every time I'm in the fruit and vegetable section of the grocery yes. store from now on. 
Well, Alexia, I know you're just beginning on this career path, but what's next for you? What would be the big dream? Well, I am still going to be working uh, to expand our programs at Semieto de Ideas. And aside from that, too, I'm working on opening up a coffee space slash art gallery. It's called Café Con Arte in downtown Pasco here in my hometown. And downtown Pasco is a predominantly Latinx community. And it is has a lot of like history behind it. There's a lot of history there. But all that to say, we really want it to be a community space that celebrates culture, celebrates community and who we are. And it's going to be an art gallery as well that celebrates local artists and brings in diverse folks from different backgrounds. And it really started as like knowing that my community is third places and places for people to connect. And when I moved back home, it was also during the pandemic and it was just really lonely and hard to meet people. And so this space kind of came out of that loneliness in some ways of wanting to create places for people just to hang out and meet and talk over some coffee. So community, right? Community. That is the, I feel like that's the heart of of what you want to do is, is making sure that your community has space. Yeah. Which a lot of us take for granted, I think. Yeah. And what's really awesome is that we did a Kickstarter to get this coffee shop going and so many people uh, donated to this Kickstarter and we raised a lot of funds and we're really excited. So we'll be open in the next few weeks. Anyone and everyone is welcome to come by. It might be better than some of those Seattle coffee shops. So (laughs) come on over the east side. If you're in Pasco, by yes. Christmas 2023, come yep. by. I love mm-hmm. that. I love that for you. And I hope everyone who's listening will be, if nothing else, in in prayer and support of creating communities just like that, where people can mm-hmm. share their ideas with each other, can ease each other's burdens, really, and, and go home happier families. All right, Alexia, here we go with our famous last question that we ask all of our guests. And I'm super excited to hear your answer to this. If you could have everyone in Seattle do one thing differently tomorrow that would make the world a better place, what would you have all of us do? Ooh, (laughs) I think I would have everyone just say thank you. Like the person that's checking you out at the grocery store, what does it look like to say thank you to them? Thank you so much. I really appreciate it today. The person bagging your groceries at Trader Joe's, like, thank you. Um, the janitor that's walking around SP right now, like just say it. Thank you. Cause like the world really does go around because of these people and the people in, in positions that we don't always think. And that acknowledgement of their work, I've seen how it impacts my own family. My grandma used to clean hotel rooms. Um, my, my dad is a mechanic. And so those, those jobs, I don't know, just saying thank you really does make a big, big difference. Well, Alexia, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, and I really mean that. Giving back to your own community, even even the choice to go back one summer and pick apples so that you wouldn't do this work without actually having some understanding of what day in and day out looks like. Thank you for the work that you do. And, and thank thanks, you, Amanda. And thanks for coming on our show today. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. And uh, I hope everyone has a great day. <laughs> 